Welcome to Remembering What Matters Most, a podcast exploring what it means to live our lives based on what is most important to us. I'm your host, Susan McNamara, and today I'm with Patty Mari, friend and fellow educator and yoga teacher. Welcome, Patty. Thanks, Suzanne. Good to see you. Nice to see you, too. Yeah. So we're going to continue on in our ongoing conversation around the technologies. And I think I recognized a couple of podcasts ago how important it is to start pulling out more pieces and more strands because we're really talking about something right now that is you know, moving into every single facet and every single area of our lives and what it means to be human. So it's feeling to me like it would be, I think, both more more helpful and also more manageable to pull apart like smaller and smaller themes around this so that it feels more doable to anybody who's listening because this is one of those topics that it's so huge. It's touching every single aspect of our lives. And what I can sometimes find is people start to feel overwhelmed mm. by the conversation. Yeah. And, yeah. and almost like I'm just going to not do anything because I feel like I can't possibly tackle this. Right. So let's slow it down. Slow it break down. it down. Yeah. And yeah. get on down. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And maybe yeah. put it down. Yeah. Oh, good one. Jeez, we should do like a little uh, you know, <laughs> slogan on that one. Slow it down, break it down, and put it down. Yeah, yeah. Because that really is what we're talking about is, you know, how can we slow down this conversation in a way so that we can really get a much clearer sense of when the devices and all the various technologies are working in our lives, when they're serving us, and then when we're serving them, when we're using them in a way that really gets um, in the way and today's topic is, you know, where and when and how it's getting in the way between us and our relationships. Okay, so you want to focus in on relationships mm -hmm. today. Nice. Yeah. yeah, so the interpersonal aspect around this. And I know, you know, across a couple of the podcasts that we've done, you've had a couple of stories of, mm -hmm. you know, the way the technologies have come in, come in, you know, if you're working, you know, walking with a friend and um, just wanting to have that conversation with them or just be together in nature um, and the way that the devices really can get in between that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That yeah. happens a lot. And I don't think I am the only one, but um, I just was talking with a friend about this yesterday about how have your phone on you if you need, if you're on a walk and you need a timepiece or you want to photograph something because you're in a beautiful area, I get that. Or you just need it for safety reasons because you're walking in an area that's kind of like mm, a little sketchy. Bring your phone for safety purposes, but turn it off. Mm. Especially if you're with a friend because it's just polite, you know, it's just etiquette. Mm. It's just etiquette. Mm. You know? Well, it's interesting, though, that you're saying etiquette, because, you know, maybe from our generation, mm. we, we, right, yeah. we're looking and we're saying this is kind of a no brainer, although I, I see people from every generation not following that sense of etiquette. But I think one of the things that you're bringing up is such an essential piece. As the technologies enter more and more in, what is the etiquette these days? That's a really good point. I think that that's part of what we're trying to figure out right now is like, 
what is the etiquette when you're with another person? And I know it's become the norm, although I'm not going to say it's normal. Mm -hmm. I know it's become the norm that when we're together, it's it's uh, commonly seen or done that people are on their phones while somebody's trying to talk to you or you're out to dinner and you're on your phone or you're checking. And I know that it's what everybody's, quote, doing, but what is the etiquette around when we're going to be together? And I think that this is one of those boundaries that's really important to either reestablish or start to renegotiate because while I think the technologies have been great in some instances around breaking down boundaries, and so whether that's how information is disseminated or who can enter the market, you know, we can maybe make the point there that it's great for those boundaries to be softer or mm -hmm. to be reduced. But then what about the boundaries between um, keeping out those things that are getting in between us? Well, maybe we're talking more about personal relationships here. Definitely. I was at dinner the other night and there was a cute couple came in and sat down in the table next to us. And I felt so bad for the young woman because her boyfriend, I assume it was her boyfriend, maybe it was her brother, I don't know, but he was on his phone the whole entire mm -hmm. time and she just sat there. And mm -hmm. she's just like a lovely young woman, looked like an interesting young woman, and she just, she just sat there and for some reason, yeah, she put up with it. Mm. And so many of us do. And I guess what I'm wondering in my head is, is there a way that we can start to have a conversation about how do we set that, you called it a boundary, about whether we want that in our interpersonal relationship. Like, I'm spending time with you now. Mm. Let's kind of negotiate this right up front mm. that neither one of us is going to pull out our cell phone during this hour that we are together. Mm. And then after that, if we need to, we will. But uh, yeah, I wonder if it's just another one of those kinds of con conversations we need to have. I, I think so, because I think it's another for me, it, you know, it, it falls into the category of like what's being lost right now, which is one of the things that I have a particular sort of attunement to as I'm looking out at what's happening with the technologies is looking at all the things that are being lost. And when I'm thinking about that boundary issue for me, as you were talking, I, I sort of just saw it as this protective bubble or something that we decide to place around each other and together that we say, you know, during this time, this is when we're going to be together and we're not going to let other things be involved. And it's interesting because I'm just seeing right now the generations who are coming up, they're not feeling and recognizing and having the experience of how protective and insulating and nourishing our relationships can be. I mean, we even know that right now that more and more people are isolating themselves. You know, there's more loneliness than ever, mm -hmm. more depression, more anxiety. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the cultures that do really well or the people that do really well in terms of mental health and physical health, they're the people that have really good social connections. That's so true. I think that's one of the top things that sociologists and psychologists look at is what are your social relationships absolutely and i think that it's devastating that our relationships are getting reduced down to that we feel awkward or uncomfortable or i'm imagining that 
that story that you were saying about the young woman that almost like we don't have a right anymore to expect that from one another, that somehow we're being needy or somehow we're we're off the mark somehow to be saying, hey, this isn't working for me right now. Yeah, we're out to dinner. Could we talk? Could we chat? Yeah. And it's it's interesting because one of the things that, you know, will often come up when I do technology unit with the college students is when they start talking about this and then I ask the question, you know, what's it like to be on the other side of somebody trying to have a conversation with them while they're on their phone? The the number one answer always is it makes me feel like I don't matter. Mm. And that's profound that we're feeling that way in each other's presence that we don't matter and that I can't actually tell you that what you're doing right now with this thing is getting in between us and it's not actually working for me. Yeah. Well, you know, I sometimes I think about this in terms of, I, I don't know, we have this like cultural um, idea that like in the 50s, the dad would come home and he'd grab his newspaper and he'd be on his easy chair with his newspaper and like the kids couldn't go over and talk to him, you know, and and his little wife, June Cleaver, mm. <laughs> she was in the kitchen, you know, mixing him up a martini. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and nobody could talk to dad. <laughs> right. Till after he has a martini in his paper. Yeah. But then hopefully he came to the kitchen. He came to the table and the family had dinner together. And, and people asked each other, how was your day? Mm. And listened mm. and showed that they cared and gave each other 100% of their attention, even if... And I'm not saying it was perfect, you know, because I'm sure, because all families have some dysfunction. But yeah, there there is just something to that. Like, I I wonder sometimes if the family itself isn't suffering because of all of the distractions we have during a typical dinner. Right. How many times does somebody jump up to, I don't know, silence their phone or jump up to um, turn the radio off or jump up to do this or jump up to do that or god forbid if people have their phones at the table and they're looking down reading a text Mm. you know just the disruptions and that you can't get into that flow Mm. of a good conversation Mm. where each person feels really cared for because that's like our nucleus we need that yeah, and I feel like, you know, as you're describing that, it just I can just picture and feel like the fracturing that's going on with that. And it's making me think, you know, we're mammals and we're built to be in the company of one another. We regulate one another through things like the mirror neurons where we're sensing and feeling other people, not just sort of thinking about what it is that they're doing, but actually feeling what it is that they're going through. And, you know, there's another um, approach that I've been looking at, um, which is called the polyvagal theory and by this guy, Stephen Porges, and he's talking about this vagus nerve in particular, but a big part of what he's talking about is this whole social engagement system that happens through our facial expressions, that Mm. happens through like how we're sensing and feeling one another and how that social engagement system really regulates our autonomic nervous system so that that part of us having to do with the fight flight response and 
one of the things that I'm often noticing is, you know, we've got a culture right now just in chronic states of flight, fight, flight, chronic states of stress. And one of my questions always is, why are we not doing a better job at using our relationships to insulate ourselves in that way? Because what's happening is, is, and I see this a lot with the college students, they get stressed, they isolate themselves. And part of why they can isolate themselves is because they have their devices. You know, because back in the day, this just wasn't a thing when I was in college. Um, this whole idea of like isolating yourself. And part of it was because you know, at some point you kind of had to get kicked back out into the flow of the social system because there really wasn't anything else going on. Mm. But now, you know, we can enter to entertain ourselves 24-7 or even, you know, have created the illusion that we're actually connected through our devices without ever having to be in the presence of another human being. And this isn't just, you know, some you know, kind of fluffy idea around us and human beings. Like this is literally a physiologically based occurrence where one of the things I remember reading not too long ago was, you know, to to isolate and to not have social connections is as dangerous to your health as high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and smoking. I mean, that's profound that mm -hmm. like our lack of social connection is that dangerous to our physical health. Yeah, it's funny. I was just having this conversation with a coworker today, and I was very surprised that she said something very similar that people are feeling more and more lonely and don't go out as much. Mm -hmm. You know, like we can shop from home, yeah. so we don't have to go out to stores. We can um, see movies from home, so we don't have to go to the movies anymore. It's like we spend more and more time insulated. And the other thing I was thinking of as you were just talking too is how important it is like when you're trying to get a read on somebody, whether they're angry mm. or whether they are sad or whether they're happy, part of that is their body language. And are we losing the um, ability to read people's body languages to give us really essential information about what that person is saying and expecting of us? I think yes. I mean, I've definitely noticed right now, and it was one of the conversations I was having with, um, you know, a class of mine about the lack of eye contact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that's huge. And, you know, there was a time and place where if somebody wasn't making eye contact or was sort of furtively <laughs> darting their eyes around, <laughs> you would have certain thoughts about them. But mm. that's becoming more and more the norm. And, you know, I had read a long time ago that 93% of our communication is nonverbal, mm. which means only 7% is the words. And so if we're missing things like eye contact, facial expressions, mm -hmm. tone of voice, gestures, even that kinesthetic sense, that sort of mirror, neuron, mirror neuron sense that I was just talking about, we're missing out on a bulk of like the exchange that's happening between us. Yeah, the huge bulk of it. And that explains a lot in terms of, you know, I'm a teacher of young children. And what I have seen over my 15 years of teaching is that I often have to say to kids, you know, look at me. Mm -hmm. Let me see your eyes. Mm -hmm. Things like that. Because, you know, I might be um, giving them um, a command like, you know, go sit in that chair mm -hmm. for behavior management purpose, say. And they don't. 
And I have to say, look at me. Do I look serious? Yes. And, and it's only then that when I tell them to look at me, that they can see that I look serious. And then they're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I really do need to go sit down in that chair. Yeah, That's, I think you're picking up on like such an essential thing. What's going to happen if our young ones, because they've been in front of a screen or because their parents have been in front of a screen, that they haven't had that just absolute immersion, right, in relationship with other people, because that's how kids learn. They learn in relationship, and it's not like you can go and teach that some someplace. It's just that constant immersion in association with other people. And I'm having the exact same thing happen, sad to say, at the college level. Like, one of the things that I just recently had to do was... I had to create this paper on on uh, how to show up for class because I was seeing that some of the most basic things were not happening. And one of the things that I had to put in there and talk to the students about was if you're going to have a baseball hat on, either when you come in class, you've got to flip it around or you've got to take it off. Because what I was seeing was more and more students were showing up in the room and they were pulling that that um, brim down so low that I could not see their eyes. Oh, that's... And it was really disturbing me yeah. because I don't know if they were, you know, thinking they were going to sleep behind their hat, if they were going to, you know, somehow stay under the radar. But for me, that feels very disconcerting. If, mm. I, if I can't see your eyes and I'm trying to have a communication with you and as a teacher, I'm trying to impart teachings or an experience to you and you can't make eye contact with me, that feels like something very essential has gone missing. Mm. And I think we used to call that respect. <laughs> when I was a student, that was considered respectful, that yeah. you look at the person who is speaking to you, especially mm -hmm. if the person is an authority figure. And I know that everybody has a problem with authority figures now, but isn't that, shouldn't a teacher deserve enough respect that you would look at them, especially your parents or you are paying for that class? Right to be there. Right. And I, and I think you're bringing up such a good point that like, when you're making eye contact with me, it at least begins to demonstrate that we're both thinking about the same thing. I mean, you could be thinking about something else in your mind, but that that connection through the eyes is keeping us together on point on topic as opposed to you know people looking down and looking off and as a teacher when I see that it leaves me wondering where are you right now and I oftentimes will um, call that out in the room like where is everybody right now are you with me are you not with me and literally having to make that a teaching moment for students that when you are looking at me in the eye that says that we're together in this that says that you're following what we're talking about and again this is that huge social um, connection social engagement relationship because I know you know this as a teacher the 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 teaching the learning comes out of the relationship it does no learning can happen when students do not feel connected mm -hmm. or a part of or if students are worried about anything happening in their lives and that the learning part of the brain is not engaged no learning can come out of that right. and that's why almost every school has a social emotional program. Right. Responsive classroom is one um, where you engage and you create community and the learning comes from that. Yeah. When people are happy and engaged and socialized, they learn.
when people are not engaged, don't feel like they're part of the community, they cannot learn. So do you want to brainstorm ways that we could think about, like, what could somebody say mm. if you're out for dinner with somebody and they pull out the phone and they're just or if you're going I don't know uh, uh, for a walk with a special friend and you want you know to have it be a technology free zone like could we come up with ways that people could ask for that mm. it's kind of like you know what it reminds me a lot of is like pronouns you know, like, exactly. I would like you to call me they. I yeah. would like you to call me she. I would like you to call me he. I'm yeah. going to a meeting uh, next week. And that's part of the very <laughs> introductory stuff that we're going to be discussing is pronouns. So it's mm -hmm. like, okay, well, um, I'd like uh, one hour a week of your attention with no phones mm -hmm. out or you know what I mean? Could we ask for that? We, yes, we can ask for that. And, you know, I want to say a couple of things on that. We're almost kind of coming to the end of our time together. And so you're making me think again, you've just like opened up this whole nother, uh. you know, thing for us <laughs> to focus go, yeah. on. Yeah, like a primer. But I, I think what I want to say around that is it begins with recognizing, one, the value of the relationship. And that's that's an enormous conversation unto itself. And that actually does happen. You can't teach somebody that with words that has to be demonstrated. And the way that that gets demonstrated is how kids are being raised in their homes where that one on one and face to face time is valued that, you know, like I never said to my kids, this is very important. Let us now talk face to face, right? It just like it's not that robotic, right? Like you have to just make it apart. And so I'm 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 hearing in this conversation that like now we're going to break it down again. But one of the things that I do want to say, just as we're um, winding up here, that we are always well within our bounds in relationship to speak from an I student, like uh, from an I um, statement, you know, just what you just said a moment ago, like, can I say I need this from you? And what I would say is, yes, you absolutely can. And instead of ever being in like a blaming position that you don't listen, or you always take your phone out to really come from that place of, I miss you, or I would really like time uninterrupted where you and I just get to be together and nothing else is in between, you know, and I think sometimes we can feel a little vulnerable doing something like mm, that, mm -hmm. but that's a really powerful place to stand. Like I want to spend some time with you and I would love it if we could just set that aside for, for this time. Mm -hmm. So you've just inspired me, Patty. Um, we're going to have to just do another breakout podcast on what yeah. we just talked about today. Well, I would think that if somebody came to you and said that, Mm. I want to spend time with you, mm. just you, mm -hmm. with no interruptions. It would be, it would make you feel great. Yeah. If somebody said that to me, it would make me feel really good and really special and loved. Yeah. And that's what we're looking for, right, in mm. our relationships. So thank you for that, right? That yeah. feeling of feeling special and loved and cared for and seen all the things that we really want from our relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Good topic, Susan. Another big one. Yeah. So thanks for, for going on the journey with me today, Patty. My um, pleasure. Yeah. And as always, when we can remember what matters most, we create lives that we can feel good about and that serve as a contribution to the world. So I'd like to give Patty a chance to just give her contact information. 
You can reach me at pattypraymari at gmail.com, P-A-T-I-P-R-A-Y-M-A-R-I at gmail.com, or just go to my webpage, naturewithinyouyoga.com, all one word. And if you'd like to hear more about what I do, please go to the farm at avalon.org and you have to spell out the A-T. And if you'd like to read on some of the topics that I write on around technology and kids and other ones as well, go to medicineforthepeople.com and the four is the number four. So until next time, everybody, take care. 